This is day 29 of our daily Bible reading. We will read Leviticus chapters 23 through 26 and Psalm 29. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us fresh mercy and grace, that of which we don't deserve. But we thank you, Lord, for calling us your children. Lord, thank you for being such a good father. You've guided us, you discipline us, you show us a better path than we could ever give ourselves. You're most gracious, and you're most faithful, like a good parent is. And Lord, as we spend time with you, please show us more of who you are and how to be more like you. There is no one like you. There is no comparison in all of creation. And yet, you have called us to yourself, and you desire a relationship with us, and we are most honored by it. Please bless the reading of your word today. May it enlighten our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, The Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. My appointed times are these. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day, There is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. Then on the fifteenth day of the same month, there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat this unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. But for seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, You shall offer a male lamb, one year old, with no defect, for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall then be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma, with its drink offering, a fourth of a hin of wine. Until this same day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, You shall eat neither bread, nor roasted grain, nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you bring in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. 
Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of a fine flour, baked with leaven, as first fruits to the Lord. Along with the bread, you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect, and a bull of the herd and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. You shall also offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs one year old for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering with two lambs before the Lord. They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On the same day, you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Again, Moses spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. 
These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Besides those of the Sabbath of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and freewill offerings, which you will give to the Lord. On exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days, with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native-born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they bring to you clear oil from beaten olives for the light, to make a lamp burn continually. Outside the veil of testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. He shall keep the lamps in order on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Then you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six to a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be a memorial portion for the bread, even an offering by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath day he shall set it in order before the Lord continually. It is an everlasting covenant for the sons of Israel. It shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the Lord's offerings by fire, his portion forever. Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the sons of Israel, and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel struggled with each other in the camp. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name and cursed. So they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shilomith, the daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody so that the command of the Lord might be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who has cursed outside the camp, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, 
then let all the congregation stone him. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall surely stone him. The alien, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. If a man takes a life of any human being, he shall surely be put to death. The one who takes the life of an animal shall make it good, life for life. If a man injures his neighbor, just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Thus the one who kills an animal shall make it good, but the one who kills a man shall be put to death. There shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the sons of Israel, and they brought the one who had cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. Thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord then spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I shall give you, then the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Your harvests after growth you shall not reap, and your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the Sabbath products of the land for food, yourself and your male and female servants, and your hired man and your foreign resident, those who live as aliens with you. Even your cattle and the animals that are in your land shall have all its crops to eat. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven Sabbaths of years, namely forty-nine years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you and each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the fiftieth year as a jubilee. You shall not sow, nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. On this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. If you make a sale, moreover, to your friend 
or buy from your friend's hand, you shall not wrong one another. Corresponding to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your friend. He is to sell to you according to the number of years in crops. In proportion to the extent of the years, you shall increase its price. And in proportion to the fewness of the years, you shall diminish its price. For it is a number of crops he is selling to you. So you shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God. For I am the Lord your God. You shall thus observe my statutes and keep my judgments, so as to carry them out, that you may live securely on the land. Then the land will yield its produce, so that you can eat your fill and live securely on it. But if you say, What are we going to eat on the seventh year if we do not sow or gather in your crops? Then I will so order my blessing for you in the sixth year, that it will bring forth the crop for three years. When you are sowing the eighth year, you can still eat old things from the crop, eating the old until the ninth year when its crop comes in. The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Thus, for every piece of your property, you are to provide for the redemption of the land. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. Or, in case a man has no kinsman, but so recovers his means as to find sufficient for its redemption, then he shall calculate the years since its sale and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it, and so return to his property. But if he has not found sufficient means to get it back for himself, then what he has sold shall remain in the hands of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. But at the Jubilee it shall revert, that he may return to his property. Likewise, if a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city, then his redemption right remains valid until a full year from its sale. His right of redemption lasts a full year. But if it is not bought back for him within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city passes permanently to its purchaser throughout his generations. It does not revert in the Jubilee. The houses of the villages, however, which have no surrounding wall, shall be considered as open fields. They have redemption rights and revert in the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the Levites have a permanent right of redemption for the houses of the cities which are their possession. What, therefore, belongs to the Levites may be redeemed and a house sale in the city of this possession, reverts in the jubilee. For the houses of the cities of the Levites are their possession among the sons of Israel. But pasture fields of their cities shall not be sold, for that is their perpetual possession. Now in case a countryman of yours becomes poor 
and his means with regard to you falter, then you are to sustain him, like a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with you. Do not take usurious interest from him, but revere your God, that your countrymen may live with you. You shall not give him your silver at interest, nor your food for gain. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If a countryman of yours becomes so poor with regard to you that he sells himself to you, you shall not subject him to a slave's service. He shall be with you as a hired man, as if he were a sojourner. He shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. He shall then go out from you, he and his sons with him, and shall go back to his family, that he may return to the property of his forefathers. For they are my servants, whom I brought out from the land of Egypt. They are not to be sold in a slave sale. You shall not rule over him with severity, but are to revere your God. As for your male and female servants, whom you may have, you may acquire male and female slaves from the pagan nations that are around you. Then, too, it is out of the sons of the sojourners who live as aliens among you that you may gain acquisition, and out of their families who are with you, whom they will have purchased in your land, they also may become your possession. You may even bequeath them to your sons after you, to receive as a possession. You can use them as permanent slaves. But in respect to your countrymen, the sons of Israel, you shall not rule with severity over one another. Now if the means of a stranger or of a sojourner with you becomes sufficient, and a countryman of yours becomes so poor with regard to him, as to sell himself to a stranger who is sojourning with you, or to the descendants of the stranger's family, then he shall have redemption right after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle, or his uncle's son may redeem him, or one of his blood relatives from his family may redeem him, or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. He then, with his purchaser, shall calculate from the year when he sold himself to him up to the year of Jubilee, and the price of his sale shall correspond to the number of years. It is like the days of a hired man that he shall be with him. If there are still many years, he shall refund part of his purchase price in proportion to them for his own redemption. And if few years remain until the year of Jubilee, he shall so calculate with him. In proportion to his years, he is to refund the amount for his redemption. Like a man hired year by year, he shall be with him. He shall not rule over him with severity in your sight. Even if he is not redeemed by these means, he shall still go out in the year of Jubilee, he and his sons with him. For the sons of Israel are my servants. They are my servants whom I brought out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
You shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rains in their season, so that the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering, and grape gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. I shall also grant peace in the land, so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. But you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so that you would not be their slaves. And I broke the bars of your yoke, and made you walk erect. But, if you do not obey me, and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances, so as to not carry out all my commandments, and so break my covenant, I, in turn, will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly, for your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. If then you act with hostility against me and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. I will let loose among you the beasts of the field, which will bereave you of your children and destroy your cattle and reduce your number so that your roads lie deserted. And if by these things you are not turned to me, but act with hostility against me, 
then I will act with hostility against you. And I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sins. I will also bring upon you a sword which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And when you gather together into your cities, I will send pestilence among you, so that you shall be delivered into enemy hands. When I break your staff of bread, ten women will bake your bread in one oven, and they will bring back your bread in rationed amounts, so that you will eat and not be satisfied. Yet if in spite of this you do not obey me, but act with hostility against me, then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. Further, you will eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters you will eat. I then will destroy your high places, and cut down your incense altars, and heap your remains on the remains of your idols, for my soul shall abhor you. I will lay waste your cities as well, and will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your soothing aromas. I will make the land desolate, so that your enemies who settle in it will be appalled over it. You, however, I will scatter among the nations, and will draw out a sword after you, as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation, while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it will observe the rest which it did not observe on your Sabbaths, while you were living on it. As for those of you who may be left, I will also bring weakness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies and the sound of a driven leaf will chase them. And even when no one is pursuing, they will flee as though from the sword, and they will fall. They will therefore stumble over each other, as if running from the sword, although no one is pursuing, and you will have no strength to stand up before your enemies. But you will perish among the nations, and your enemy's land will consume you. So those of you who may be left, will rot away because of their iniquity in the lands of your enemies. And also, because of the iniquities of their forefathers, they will rot away with them. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers, in their unfaithfulness which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me, I also was acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies. Or, if their uncircumcised heart becomes humbled, so that they then make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember also my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham as well, and I will remember the land. For the land will be abandoned by them, and will make up for its Sabbaths, while it is made desolate without them. They, meanwhile, will be making amends for their iniquity, because they rejected my ordinances 
and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them, breaking my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and ordinances and laws which the Lord established between himself and the sons of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. Psalm 29, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Okay. This was a longer reading again, but I don't know about you, but this was a very fascinating read. I was thoroughly engaged the whole time, and I was loving what I was seeing. So let's examine briefly what is going on in Leviticus before we move to the psalm. So in chapter 23, God is outlining all the different festivals and religious observances that he wants for the people of Israel. Some of this he's already talked about before. But now he's laying it all out in one continuous narrative to make sure that they understand everything that they're supposed to observe. So he begins with the Sabbath, which is, of course, being one of the Ten Commandments as well, is the most important observance he wants us to have besides the Day of Atonement. The seventh day shall be a day of complete rest. That's not going to stop for the Hebrew people. And it really shouldn't stop with us either. We are not under the old covenant, granted, but we are still to consider the fact that it is one of the Ten Commandments and that it should be of value to us as well. So yes, the Sabbath is something we should have as a priority in our lives as well. The other thing he reminds them about is the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were there when they were taken out of the land, but there will be several generations after them that will have no idea what that's like. And so they are still to observe it, and they still observe it to this day. 
All of these festivals are still, for the most part, observed by the Jewish people. Then there is also the offering of the first fruits. The first and best things that you get are dedicated to the Lord, as is rightly due to him. He is the one who caused the bounty and the first fruits to happen to begin with. So, of course, it's due him. Then you have what is called the 50 days. It is also called the Feast of Weeks. And so from the first fruits that are offered, you count 50 days after that, and you have another convocation where it consists of praising God for the harvest and dedicating the first portion of later crops that will happen in the harvest. In the Greek, this is called Pentecost. So Pentecost is an old religious observance of the Jewish people. It is not something that occurred when the Holy Spirit fell upon men. That is how we best remember it as Christians. But the observance of Pentecost has been around since the Exodus. So in case you didn't know that, this is where it is here. Pentecost is not an original idea to the Holy Spirit. It has always been a Jewish observance. But for us as Christians, it marks the beginning of our generation. The chosen people of God being activated into God's service. Then there is a time for them to blow trumpets, which is the beginning of a new civil year for them. Then there's the Day of Atonement, which we talked about last time. And then you have the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, depending on your translation. But this is celebrating God's deliverance from Egypt and There's a period of time where they have to live in a booth, in a tent of sorts. And they have to build their own booth, and they have to live in it for a week. This is something that is supposed to be observed even today. And quite frankly, I don't know if they do observe this or not. But God's ordinances have never failed for the Jewish people. Even though they don't have to necessarily do it, because this covenant has already been abolished by Christ. But since they don't recognize Jesus as their Messiah, they should still keep doing this convocation as was commanded by God. What would be better, of course, is if they recognized Jesus as for who he truly is, the Lord himself. And then all of this could go away, in a sense. But at this point, that's neither here nor there. Chapter 24 is some laws that are regarding the oil that is supposed to be kept burning at the tabernacle by Aaron. And then it's talking about the special bread that is supposed to be presented to the Lord at his table. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, we have a brief encounter with a man who blasphemed against the Lord. He cursed the name of God. He was the son of an Israelite woman, and yet his father was an Egyptian. So apparently this guy was of a mixed heritage. And apparently there was a group of them that were in the camp as well. So they seized the man, and they put him captive until the Lord told them what to do. And God said he deserves to be stoned for cursing his name. And so he asked the people also to lay hands on him. And the reason that he told them to do that is because the people are transferring whatever guilt 
may have occurred in their community onto him. And then he is going to be killed for his sin and any guilt of anybody else. And this is to show us a couple of things. For one, the sinner himself, regardless of excuses or human reasons we can make up, we are fully responsible for our own sin. That is why, in the sight of God, we are sinners who cannot be saved by our own means. This also takes away any sort of argument about God not being fair, or that God is not a just God. He holds every person accountable for their sin. Now, in these days, if you curse the name of God, you die. If you curse your mother and father, you die. You kill another human being, you die. Capital punishment was a major theme of the Old Testament. But what I find the most intriguing is that the name of God is so blasphemed today, and yet these people are allowed to live on the face of this earth. I'm not saying God is slow in his justice, but it sickens me that so many people can use the language like it's no big deal. In fact, if you have watched TV and you have subtitles on, usually in movies and such, and even like on YouTube, they will censor certain things, certain words that you can't say that are profanity. But if you curse the name of God, they don't censor it. And it's disgusting to think about. And yet, it makes sense with the way the world is right now that, of course, they're going to curse the name of God because they have no investment in him. They have no relationship in him. And it's a shame. But moving on, chapter 25 is an important chapter on what is called the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee is very important to the Jewish people. And every 50 years is when the year of Jubilee occurs. And during that time, there should be no sowing, there should be no reaping, and you let the land rest. Now imagine if we did that today, right? Imagine if we let farms, ranches, all that stuff rest for a whole year. It sounds impossible when you think about it like that in today's standards, right? Imagine a company deciding, you know what? I'm not going to take any profits this year. I'm going to let the land rest. That just sounds so bizarre today, right? Because nobody does it. And yet, God has commanded it for it to be done. But why? Why is there supposed to be a year of rest for the land? Well, I don't really know all of the reasons, but some of the natural reasons that make sense would be that the more you use the soil, the more you deplete its nutrients and its resources. And giving it a year off, so to speak, will allow the land to be restored to its richness and its fertility. So it would allow more healthy, fruitful years thereafter. To me, that makes sense. But in the business world, that is non-negotiable. There has to be production. There has to be results all the time. That is how businesses work. They're there to make a profit. And if they're not making money, then they're doing something wrong. 
at least in their eyes. Maybe we're the ones that are wrong. But anyway, the year of Jubilee is where all of the land goes back to its original owners. In the land of Israel, all the land was divided up by tribes and by families. And so that land that was given to you from the Exodus and entering into the promised land is a permanent land for your people. That family owns that piece of land forever, according to the Jewish law. And so after 50 years, if something changes, like you sold it to somebody, or you were so poor that you had to let somebody else live there for a while, then it comes back to you at no cost. Now, there are some rules in here of how to handle certain situations, of course, but the Jubilee is meant to be a very joyous event where we recall what God has done for us. You recall all the promises that he's made. You have an inheritance in him that is rightly yours, and you get it back if you lost it. There's a lot of good things that come out of this, and your jubilee is definitely something to celebrate. So that's what the whole chapter is about. It's talking about all the conditions and situations in regard to the jubilee, how that works with the land itself, what if it was sold to somebody, what if that person is not a native Jew, or what about people who are so poor that they can't buy it back? What about people who work under you as an employee? What if they're Jewish? What if they're not Jewish? It has all those situations here in this chapter. But the one that we need to pay the most attention to today is chapter 26. And I think you know why, if you were following along with me. He talks about many laws of obedience toward him. And of course, he begins with idols, because that is one of the major issues in mankind. It's propping up something to be its God rather than God himself. Now, there is a clear progression that we're going to see here in chapter 26. And he begins by saying that because there's a covenant between the Jewish people and between him, this is what he is going to do. Israel, if you hold up your end of the deal, I will give you all of these blessings. I will cause this to go well. I will cause this to prosper. You will have peace in your land. You will not have to even worry about wild animals that are going to attack people. I mean, it's very specific what God is going to do for these people. And it's wonderful. It sounds absolutely amazing. All these different things that he's going to do. And the most amazing thing of all, and I don't even fully grasp exactly what he's saying here, but it says in verse 11, Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. That's great. I imagine he's talking about the tabernacle, the temple. His presence will remain there. But verse 12, I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Ooh, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? God's going to walk among us? Is that talking about Christ, or is it talking about having such a familiar, close relationship with God that you can walk with him, much like Moses and God hang out together. 
Imagine if all the people of Israel could do that like Moses was doing. How amazing that would be, right? The biggest shame is that we will never see it. The Jewish people will not allow that to happen because of sin. We can't get mad at them either, again, because we are no better than them. So then what God does is he outlines the consequences for failure to follow him. And it gets progressively worse. If Israel breaks its covenant with God, he will go from one step to the next step to the next step, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And he mentions in each subsection what he really desires for the people. He doesn't want them to act with hostility against him. He wants them to repent. He wants them to recognize their error and change their ways in obedience to God. He doesn't want this to happen. But if the people are going to be so stubborn and so evil, then he is going to remove all of his blessings. Even so far, as we saw at near the end of this chapter, that he will remove them from the land, and they will live in the land of their enemies. You're going to see this happen in real time in the book of Judges, and later on during the major prophets, when Israel is in deep sin. Isaiah is talking about it. Jeremiah is talking about it. Amos is talking about it. Daniel is living in it. Esther is living in it where they are living in Babylon or living in Persia or trying to flee into Egypt. And it's because they refused to obey God for generations. And so God's like, you know what? If you guys are going to be like this, you're not going to hold up your end of the deal, then you're out of my land. Y'all forget that I let you be here. I granted this to you because I own it. But since you are bad tenants in this land, I am evicting you, in a sense. And yet he is so gentle in the way that he talks about it at the end here. Yes, the punishments are severe. They are not very nice to look at. There are some pretty nasty things that are going to happen in here, even to the point where it says you're eating the flesh of your kids. You're going to see that in a couple of situations where they are so deep in their sin or they are besieged by enemies that they end up cannibalizing each other. That is a real situation, and it will be fulfilled because God said it. But yet, listen to what God says near the end. Verse 44. Yet, in spite of this, everything that he had said before, in spite of everything they've done, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them. As a people, he may handle individuals in a different way, but he will not completely wipe out the Jews, ever. He has chosen the Jews to be his people. Nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them, right? Breaking my covenant with them. He said that he was going to be their God, and he's never going to take that back. How wonderful God is. How faithful he is. 
despite all the opposition against him. And praise God, he is that way with us. We are quick to abandon him at times, especially when we entertain temptation and sin in our lives. But yet God is faithful. He will not change his mind with you. He will not utterly abandon you. He will be with you every step of the way, even if you are far from him. How amazing he is. He remembers the covenants he's made, and for his name's sake, he is going to stay with it. He will never break his end of the deal. Praise God for that. That is the greatest hope we have here, is that God has given us salvation through Jesus Christ, and that he will never take it back. He will never allow his word to fail. And that gives us great joy and gives us great hope for the future. Now, moving on to chapter 29 of the Psalms, we come to another Psalm of David where he is giving glory to the omnipotent Lord, as he's rightly due him. He is praising God for everything that he is, how mighty he is, the amazing things that he does in his creation. And it introduces the idea that he is Lord over the angel armies, that he is Lord over all his hosts. And usually when it talks about the holy hosts or the sons of the mighty, it's talking about angels. And so he is the God of angel armies. And we will see that more often when the Bible refers to him as the Lord of hosts, or in the original Hebrew, Yahweh Sabaoth which means that he is the God of the angel armies. He is mighty. He is powerful. There is no one who can stand against him and succeed. God is in a class of his own. He is in a category of his own, and no one comes even close to it. And one thing we have to remember as we finish today is verse 10. The Lord sat as king at the flood, most likely talking about the flood of Noah because of the use of the Hebrew word here. But yes, the Lord sits as king forever. He is indeed the king of kings and lord of lords. We can't ever forget that. That is who our God is. There is no one else who sits on the throne besides God. So let's not forget who our king is and let's Give him the reverence and respect that he deserves by obedience to his word. And that leads us into our scripture to memorize today, which will be verse 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And don't forget who his people are. Yes, the people he has chosen, you and me as Christians. But the major point to make here is that the people who are truly his people are the ones who observe his word and do it. You can be a proper Christian, yes, but if you're a disobedient son, you will not have peace. Those who obey the commands of their God will have true peace. And with that, that's a good place to stop for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.